gonna push record. I can't tell if it's recording. I think it is. It looks like it's recording. Yeah, I think it's recording. So I think we're gonna start. JJ, are you ready? Mm -hmm. You remember the setup? Yes. Okay, all right. Just saying, you would owe me a tequila shot if you didn't. You don't need any more drinks. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't tell Ash. Okay, ready? Hola. Bienvenidos. I'm JJ Saldana. And I'm Rebecca De Leon. Welcome to this episode of the Latino Card. We are recording out of Radio Boise in downtown Boise. And we have two special guests today, one of them new and one of them returning. We have Meli Morales, who is new, and we have uh, Ruby Mendez, who is returning. She, won she talked to us as part of the ACLU before, and now she's wearing a different hat. And Meli also has several hats, but she's wearing the same hat as Ruby. So they're both here. Under Poder of Idaho. So welcome, Ruby and Melly. Thank welcome. you for coming. I'm so glad that you came back. We didn't scare you away, Ruby. Oh, no. <laughs> We're coming back. <laughs> Please invite we us back. We needed this opportunity to accessorize together. We're super grateful. That's true. I just want to say, if you and your crew don't wear matching hats, like, how do you know you're a crew? <laughs> yeah. So can you guys explain to our audience who Poder is? What Poder what is. Poder is. <laughs> Well, because I think when I think of Poder, I think of all these awesome women who are doing some awesome stuff for the state. So that's why I said who. There's mm -hmm. one dude involved. Awesome oh. women doing awesome stuff is like an ideal like slogan for us. And I'm actually going to take that back to the group and see if we can vote on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that there's one awesome. dude. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I can speak to kind of how we formed. Um, it started out uh, as a committee of Idaho Organizing Project, which... I think still, I'm not sure if they still meet. I'm not still involved, but back in the day around <clears throat> Trump election times, I think <laughs> there was just an understanding that we needed to have a more pointed and organized way of mobilizing um, caring community members in defense of vulnerable populations. Um, and that kind of evolved just from meeting and um, focusing on like what community wants, what community needs, and specifically like what people in the room had to offer. Um, from that, there was a committee that focused on um, DACA and, like, more specifically, like, lobbying and making sure that we're defending DACA, like, as a policy and expanding policy objectives to include, you know, a Clean Dream Act and things like that. Um, and can you just tell the audience what DACA stands for? Uh, deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So the, the infamous... I mean, I guess it's just famed. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> the famed Obama policy um, that does allow um, children of migrants to defer deportation actions that allows them to pursue um, college, college, and work also opportunities, work, yeah, work opportunities mm -hmm. um, all of that. Which I'm sure Ruby, as the policy expert in the room, oh <laughs> no, <laughs> talk about a little bit more. Um, in that uh, process, I think there, uh, I think some of the folks that were members of that community started to see opportunity to uh, grow a little more and maybe in a different direction. And so there was a meeting. I want to say it was at the Sunrise. No, where was it? We were at a cafe. I think we were in Hyde Park. Those are just, always the best kind of meetings, yeah, too. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> um, it was Irene Ruiz, actually, that called that meeting, I think. And it was her and Betsaida Chavez. I want to say Anna Martinez was there as well and a couple others. And I was just there to say, hey, whatever y'all decide, like, I'll be there to set up chairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple years since then. I don't set up very many chairs anymore. But <laughs> I'm, like, glad <laughs> to see how it's grown. 
Um, mm. There's been meetings with legislators, um, several people put their bodies on the line through um, organizing with United We Dream, um, going to D.C., meeting with legislators here in Idaho, like that kind of thing. Uh, and we started to get more people interested in being involved. Uh, at, at a certain point, I think we had more people trying to reach out and contact us than we had like the bandwidth to respond all the time. Um, so a lot of individual growth, I think, has happened too. And we're now in an interesting kind of restructuring phase, or I guess just a structuring phase, maybe. <laughs> um, and I'm super glad that Ruby is here because she'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. But taking on bigger projects, um, trying to get some bigger wins, I think, for people. Um, what it stands for in English, right, is protecting our dreams and empowering resilience. So there's been a lot of talk like within our group about like what does it look like to have a community where we are able to protect our dreams, that we are empowered, that we are resilient, and all of our community members have like equal access and things like that. Um, and that's taken a lot of different um tracks, I think, for, mm -hmm. for different people that are involved. And I think that that's really good. I think that we need people from all different walks of life that have different priorities, whether that's like environmental issues or, you know, local policy work or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, there's opportunities for change everywhere. And so we need people that are placed in all of these different um, paths to do the, the work of creating space and safety for members of our community. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're glad that we were able to get Ruby before she gets really in the nitty gritty of things coming January. Oh, yes. She's going to be super busy um, with the Idaho legislature. So we're glad that you were able to come back. But we really do want to have you come back during session as well. Yes, we will definitely come back as the with my different hat as the ACLU and give you all the fun updates that will happen this so 2020 fun. legislative session. But um this is one of my favorite hats, of course, to wear of being a member of Poder and just real elevating what Melis just said. It's like we really are focused in Poder to create it as a safe space for Latinx individuals to come and really um, get the tools and the resources they need to organize on issues that they care about. Um, in terms of the structuring of uh, Boder, we we definitely in the future plans want to become our own nonprofit organization and and be able to be that Latinx voice, whether it's like local, state house, um, even nationally. I, I think there's big visions and big dreams that we have a, as a group right now. And yes, right now we are almost all female led. There is we do have. One fella out there. <laughs> One fella. <laughs> and so, oh, and also Antonio. So two, oh, two. two. Yes, and so shout you out guys to are them. So inclusive, though. I mean, <laughs> you guys do um, have, you know, just you say two fellas, but you guys have a lot of support. I think from the Latinx community here, mm -hmm. and I think um, you guys are so. Um, inclusive of everybody you guys welcome everybody so I think that's really cool too yeah absolutely like I mentioned before we we want to open the doors we want for individuals that want to connect with an organization with an issue that sometimes I feel they're they're so siloed like we only work on immigration right and that's always been the hot topic of immigration and so but our issues are so 
multifaceted, right? Like we care about other issues, education, right? And especially with things going on at BSU with the attacks on the inclusivity right. and potential attacks on DACA, right? Of them being able to apply for any kind of scholarship. And so um, there's other things that um, I think that really do connect in terms of issues, but there are other items out there that I think will really help our community to grow and um, build skills more than anything, right? Like having it become a, a place where, you know, we can share our knowledge, our opportunities to mentor other young or Latinas, Latinos, Latinx individuals that want to really elevate the issues within their own communities. I think we have um, moved at the speed of trust. And I think that we have a built up an amount of social capital that has come through just being uncompromising, I think, on our morals early on, which was difficult to do. Um, and shout out to all the OGs out there mm -hmm. for like protecting that space. It really was mm -hmm. work just to carve out that space. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, like getting a seat at the table and what it was like to build our own table, like in that hot election year with all these things going on. But it really did come out of this desire to move out of some of the things that we saw as a detriment to organizing um, and to recognize that we did not need to like compromise values or to dilute ourselves or like make ourselves small to fit into spaces that were more pal palatable to allies or to donors that we had everything we needed within us and that what we needed was to just give that a space to be cultivated and to grow and to thrive. And I think that that's really happened when I look around like at some of the like wonderful women and men that have been involved. <laughs> well, trust um, is a just big a thing. So that's really great. Um, and I can just speak on behalf of the entire Latino community. I know that you guys have a lot of people that just trust you guys and they look to, to you guys for a lot of answers or advice. So that's, that's impressive that you were able to build that in such a quick time. And can I ask, um, Meli, what kind of values were, did you feel that you um, were being pressured to compromise on that you didn't, that can you give me a little um, more detail about that? Not to turn this into like the Ricky Lake show or anything. <laughs> no, I mean, chairs I, are going to be flying. Like I have, I do have like specific incidents in mind that I can think of, um, and I don't think that the details are super important. But just those moments where you feel maybe like constrained to speak how you would have. Um, I think of one moment where I felt like what I had wanted to do and what I felt like I had community support for um, was actually like a recall petition for. Um, Lawrence Wasden and I encountered oh. resistance on the basis that Lawrence Wasden was one of the good ones and that where he recalled that we would get someone worse and then like a year later what's happening Lawrence Wasden's name is on a letter you know right. suing that's right <laughs> over Zaka and so it's just like things like that that would come up and I know I'm not I'm far from like the only one that had experienced things like that um, I had seen um, I think about like some of the things that Irene went through like having to speak up and defend herself a lot and just feeling like there has to be a better way where we're not expending so much emotional energy, just contending with maybe someone who means well, is well-intentioned, wants to support, but can't stop using the word illegals. I mean, those are mm. things, right, that, that they do take a toll and just feeling like there was the support and there was the potential. We had leadership. I mean, I think about like Anna and Betsaida and all of the folks that were involved early on, Irene, and like we had these amazing women and we knew that they were capable of so much more than what was happening. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about what does it look like where we have the freedom to do what we feel like is necessary and what people, what people ask us to do. Right. Um, so um, what are, 
what are kind of like the the main things that Bolet has decided to focus on? I think one of the things that we've been talking about in, in when we've been talking about trust and gaining community trust is um, taking upon the Manejando Sin Miedo campaign. Um, Manejando Sin Miedo is nationally taken by Cosecha, which in different states they're implementing um, state laws to provide driver's license for undocumented individuals that live within their state. And so we thought that this would be a good tool for one to empower our community because this is not a uh, or a campaign that's being led specifically by individuals that are not that are not impacted, but we want it to be a campaign that is specifically led by individuals that are impacted and that can elevate their voices. And um, we feel that this is a, a good campaign to want to get ourselves more exposed within our immigrant community, right? And building empowerment, providing tools, and providing education more than anything on ways that our Latinx individuals can be involved not only within um, a certain campaign, but within the electoral process, right? Because this is ties in really well with who's being elected, makes the decisions whether or not the manejando sin miedo uh, gets passed, right? Or um, other other issues like knowing your rights, right? When you get pulled over by a police officer. And so this is a good way for us to not only connect with Bodet, but with other allied organizations that provide different kinds of services and provides as well other educational avenues for us to, one, get out in the community, be on the ground, and really hear out what the community wants. And so our earlier this summer, Poder really focused on being out in the community and having community forums of know your rights training because of the rumors that ICE was around town and just there were a lot of uncertainty. And so there were folks that reached out to Poder and said, hey, like, what do you have? Can you come out here and, and you know, Provide your resources. So we paired up um, Poder ACLU and Familias Unidas. Um, we went out to Burley and we were able to, one, provide a know your rights training, but at the same time transitions like it's important to to know your rights, but it's also important for you to talk about why why your issues are important, right? And like how all these things kind of mix in together. And um, it really was really impressive to see like 65 plus community members sitting down, organizing, talking about tactics and thinking, oh, we can do we can do this in our community. We can do that. And so it was really nice to not be the person saying, oh, you should do this because that that's not our role. Mm -hmm. Our role is to listen and to be able to say, great, you want to do this? Here are the resources. And this is how you can organize around manejando sin miedo. And it was just a really powerful moment. And, you know, um, Chismas spread through, right? And so yeah. other community members were reaching out from Idaho Falls, from American Falls, from all the way to Driggs and St. Anthony. And so people were like, hey, like we've heard this is relaunching again. Um, we want to we want to get that training. We want to get the resources. We want to do something. And I mean, even we did a training in Moscow where Estefania was able to go and talk to students in Movimiento Activista Social or known as MAS. And they are also organizing around this issue, but based on their needs and their community needs. And so this is more of a campaign of like building our community, our communities and providing resources for them to grow and to really come united on on one on a campaign and then hopefully potentially come united in other issues. Because what 
perhaps some folks in Burley need is very different from folks that here in Canyon Canyon County need. And so that's just kind of the realistic thing that we're facing when it comes to organizing, right? Like, yes, the Manejando Sin Miedo is a overall, like, goal, but at the same time, there's different, like, stepping goals that we hope we can accomplish as we're reaching, working towards hopefully introducing this legislation. That is so true, because, like, I know that in my travels, people will be like, what do you mean they have different issues? The Latino community has mm-hmm. different issues, and it is totally different what the issues are up north than what they are in eastern Idaho mm-hmm. or in the Magic Valley. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys are doing that. And, again, I think it's, um, that trust is very important. It's great to see that it's there. And so it sounds like uh, the Manejando Sin Miedo is kind of has, like, a twofold approach. There's one you know, getting into the community and listening to them. And mm-hmm. then the other one is essentially telling that their stories to lawmakers. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. I mean, a lot of their, their needs are related to policy, right? Or to what's going on in the community. For ex- I'm going to fall back to the Burley example because they have a really good one in, in terms of, you know, their interaction with law enforcement, that that's a huge concern with them in terms of, hey, what do we do when we get pulled over? Or like, we feel like we've been like really over policed. And so that goes along with like talking to people, people in power, right? Mm-hmm. Which are usually non-Latinos. And so what are the best methods and tactics for them to be able to organize around, well, how do we get community um, members to come have a roundtable with people from the from the law enforcement or with individuals that make these decisions and talk about, hey, these, these are these are concerns that we have and these are potentially like proposed solutions. Right. But mm-hmm. again, um, it's what the community wants, not necessarily what Bodet thinks they, they should be doing, but what the community wants. And Bodet is really there as a as a tool and as a uh, resource for them to orient them in um, being able to tactfully find solutions that make sense for their community. And so what Manejando Sin Miedo does is really kind of connects the dot of like how they can do that, right? And it's kind of step one, doing that with law enforcement, but then think, oh, I can do that with the Manejando Sin Miedo, right? Like, this is my issue. This is why I need driver's license. And this is these are the individuals who I can talk to, not only with lawmakers, but also to the rancheros, right? Their bosses, mm-hmm. to people in, in um, their elected officials, um, not only to elected officials, but to the municipal, right? To the mayor, to city council, right? Getting um, local support to be able to organize around this issue. Have you guys talked to um, different uh, law enforcement agencies about this? Have you guys been approaching them about manejando? Right now, I think we're focusing on on the really grassroots organizing, mm-hmm. really building up people power. And then hopefully next year in the summer, we can start launching and having those conversations with key stakeholders that will, I'm sure, have an input in and an opinion on our <laughs> campaign. So is the ultimate goal of um, Manejando Sin Miedo to get um, driver's licenses available to undocumented people? Or do you find that there may be different solutions after you've listened to the communities? Well, right now what we've heard is that, yes, driver's licenses is something that folks are really on board with. Um, but we also want to honor other thoughts of like, for example, you know, if we pass driver's license, what would it look like if ICE could have um, access to these documents, mm-hmm. right? To And so being able to find like a compromise and, you know, we are really aligned with other 
um, affiliates or other org- organizations that are working on this and really trying to model what they are doing in order to protect our, our Im- immigrant community also. So well, these are things. other states to see yes. what they've done, what went well and what didn't go well. It, exactly. And so we're really trying to be strategic in terms of implementation and want to ensure that we honor what the community wants at the same time protecting them and ensuring their safety. That's really important. Yeah, that I really makes think sense. that that is um, something that I wish more organizations understood was um, community development, not in leading community to like an objective or we have this goal. How can we get a specific community on board with that? But mm-hmm. actually like not even like entering a community, just being able to correctly identify the assets that already exist in a community mm-hmm. and be able to plug those into, you know, like the the desired outcomes that that community is asking for. I mean, really, that's what organizing is. We don't lead. We're not doing it. We're just providing a space for it to happen. I think we talk a lot, um, particularly like about like the Latinx community in terms of like a sleeping giant is one that gets talked about a lot. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, I don't know that it's a sleeping giant so much as everyone else that's just not aware of what's there and what's it, what already exists and what's ready to be tapped into. And we just don't have a lot of people doing that or being willing to like put in that work. That makes sense. I've heard I've heard so many iterations of that that like metaphor um, about the Latino community. I've heard. Um, I think one of the more famous ones is the Latino vote is a sleeping giant that will never wake up. Um, and they're hoping that it will wake up with this next presidential election. They thought that it would wake up at the last presidential election, but it didn't to the extent that we wanted it to. And I would say that the Latino vote is a is a precious resource that has not been valued. Uh, it's it's not the vote that needs to wake up. I would say it's the candidates. That's a good way to put it. That yeah. is a good way to put it, yeah. Absolutely. They definitely don't think that we are worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a self-feeding cycle. Yeah, I think there's a lot of perception is is like a captured minority. Like if we're going to vote, who else are we going to vote for? Right. And I think that that's really defeating. Yeah. And so do you do does that do a lot of like um, civic engagement work as well? So we partnered with CVI. Hans Antonio's involvement is very yeah. is very much present. Um, it's Conservation Voters of yeah, Idaho. Conservation Voters of Idaho. And because we can't do it all alone. Like, yes, Melly and I could talk about the issue, but like, again, we wear different hats, right? right. <laughs> and so, and everyone within the organization who's involved with Boder, you know, we all have work aside, this is all volunteer based. Mm-hmm. And so we know it's important to bring allies that also care about these issues and that can bring other types of resources. So to answer your question, yes, um, we are providing information out there, but with the help of our allies. I think like to a certain degree, like all of the things that we're working towards, like really the objective is to obtain a higher quality of life for our community than is sometimes possible. And that that can take many paths. And, um, you know, electoral work is just one of them, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, I mean, we also have corporate targets. There's other things that we think that we can do to create the conditions where our community members are allowed to thrive and, um, to deprioritize any of them, you know, is a missed opportunity. So we do get involved wherever we can. And I think that I appreciate that, like, fluidity and the ability to kind of 
go where the opportunity presents itself. Mm -hmm. I think that's valuable. And so uh, that kind of leads into my next question, because the public perception of Poder that I have received is like, holy cow, they do like 72 different things. (laughs) How can they be everywhere? So how... First of all, how big is Poder? And second of all, is Poder kind of like, is it a nonprofit? Is it 501c3? Are you partisan? You know, um, what what does the structure look like? We are a nonpartisan organization. And as for a number, that's difficult. I mean, how many people do we have meet every week versus how many people do we have on our email list? Those are very different numbers. (laughs) Um, So it's difficult to say. But uh, as for how we do 72 different things, I would just say one at a time and each day at a time. Mm -hmm. There's been times that we've had to be like, you know what, we're going to go on hiatus. We've had core members experience like significant life events that inhibited their ability to participate. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just kind of we allow that space, um, allow people to heal Mm -hmm. and we just do what we can when we can. And I think that willingness to like seize those opportunities is how we get so much done. There, we're not. I don't think any any one of us is ever daunted by the scope of a task. I don't think anyone's ever been like, "That's too much." Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! We're always like, "Well, that's a lot," but what we can do about it right now is this, and to just kind of move forward that way. Yeah, that sounds I, healthy. Yeah, and I think the beautiful thing about that is just it's a new way of organizing, right? Um, because I feel like everyone gets hyped up on one issue, and then you know, three, four months later, then it becomes a group of four, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think this is a really innovative, well, not innovative, because it's done. Bef- it has been done before, I'm sure. But it, this is a way that we feel that it really brings in different kind of individuals that um, that feel close to that certain issue, right? And, and it brings opportunity to learn of those different issues, right? If I I would have never been involved with it. I would have never met Melly and learned about the issues that she cares about and that finding out, whoa, I, I actually also care about those. Or, whoa, I've never heard about that. And I didn't realize that actually affected me as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a really um, beautiful opportunity to learn and grow together and just um, develop skills um, in unity, really, and knowledge. I think the strength in that also really lies in that you know, obviously, Ruby, you have your things that you're kind of an expert in, your expertise. Mm-hmm. And Melly, you have yours as well. Mm-hmm. And then when you all talk to each other, I think it it really emphasizes the fact that it's all connected. You know, mm-hmm. if an immigrant is here and they can't get a driver's license, that's going to affect their ability to even access health care. It's going to affect, I mean, it, it everything t- touches each other, essentially. It's all connected. And so I think that um, your approach, the poder approach is, a little bit novel it's kind of innovative um and i think it's it's a little bit ahead of the grain in in that respect i would i would dispute that it's novel i would say that it's more of a returning to how things used to be done in a community um maybe longer ago than should have been yeah (laughs) it's pre-colonial um (laughs) this vintage pre-colonial flavor this particular blend of herbs and spices but i also think it's just a natural result of what happens when you protect a space for people that are part of a community honestly um we all have some deeply personal connection to the issues that we talk about and organize on and i think that that also fuels a lot of that fire of the you know what it's it's tough, but we got to get up and we got to do it. Um, I think it contributes to that a lot. And there is a different level of trust when you un- when you can look around a room and understand that everyone here cares as much or more than you do. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's like a safety in that, I think, too. Um, 
Yeah, that makes sense. And so, I mean, just listening to the the way you guys talk about this, I am already getting like charged up. Like, yo, I want to get in there. Mm-hmm. I want to knock doors. You guys so, need to put her to work. It, <laughs> <laughs> so if if we're going to take like me, for example, um, I have, let's say I have a full-time job. I have a podcast on the side. Mm-hmm. I have a family. You know, I don't have maybe a lot of time. I maybe don't have a lot of money or whatever it is, but I want to get involved um, with Poder and everything that they're doing and I can see it from far away and I'm excited mm-hmm. um, how would you suggest you know I get involved or how can I help um, so that's a that's a longer conversation I think uh, we are not deficit based we're not going to look at all the things that maybe are a distraction or that would take away your time we're going to look at what's mm-hmm. there and what you're pan- passionate about you what you guys your need experience her at 5 a.m you call her at 5 a.m <laughs> <laughs> no no no, no, um, no. but that that's like I think the beauty is that we do have those conversations. We have those conversations with people. We try to figure out what motivates them, where their passions lie, what their goals are, what their dreams are. What does a high quality of life look like for you? How can we plug you into things that achieve that, but that Mm -hmm. fit within your, um, you know, personal life? I mean, I've got two kids. I'm trying (laughs) to graduate someday, uh, working (laughs) full time. Um, but there's still things to do and I just have to be aware of like my limitations. But that personal investment, I think, has also been very key. That yeah. willingness from all members to support each individual as they are mm-hmm. and to recognize like what they offer and bring to the table. Um, it'd be hard for me to just give you like one, two, three tasks because... Um, mm-hmm. You can. She's available starting 4.30 <laughs> in the morning. Every morning she's up. JJ, so, what um, are you doing to me? <laughs> you know, she's available at 3 a.m. every Stop morning. It. So. Stop this. She needs her to fill envelopes. Whatever this you guy, need, she's available. This guy wants me to croak over dead. <laughs> and I think something that we, we love doing is doing an exercise in terms of like with um, our poderistas is, you know, we love sticky notes. You'll see if you come to our meetings, we use a lot of sticky notes. And so <laughs> where nice. we write down, like, what does commitment look like to you, right? Because I think we're so stuck in this idea of what commitment is. Like, oh, I have to commit to do this many hours and I have to do this and the X, Y, and Z. But, like, we want to want it to open, just like how many said, open it up to, like, what does commitment actually look like for you, right? Like, thinking about your personal life and, like, actually put maybe – oh, maybe I can commit one hour a week to to come out to pull it and, you know, work on X, Y, Z issue with you. Mm-hmm. And so we, we try to work with that. And, like, if you want to organize around the issue, then we'll provide you the resources and tools connected with the individuals that you can start doing that. And that's what we do. I mean, we are, we're currently doing that with BSU students right now who are full-time students, going to work, I mean, all these crazy things as well. But... Um, finding the time for them to be able to be involved. And it's just kind of beautifully, organically organizing themselves. And it's just, it's really, it's, yeah, it's amazing of what they can do because then they they don't see us like, oh, now after class, now I have to do this, right? No, it's like organically, like, no, like I'm motivated to do this because I know that this is something that I love and that I, I want to do because I, I know that I am in the space where I can grow on this issue and be able to. Do you guys provide like trainings, for example, say Rebecca comes to you and says, I'm not sure what I'm really good at. Can you, Mm. can you guys provide like a training session? I know what I'm good at. Absolutely. I know what I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) That's getting up at 3 a.m. 
that's been one area where I think like having partner organizations has been really beneficial. Yeah. Like being able to partner with ACLU of Idaho to do Activist Academy, mm-hmm. for example, I think made a huge difference in what we saw as like our group's goals and mm-hmm. how we were going to get there. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that like in these times, it, it is so easy to be disillusioned. It just seems mm-hmm. like the fight is so vast and so large um, and that it's like, how do you overturn this like systemic oppression that's so much bigger um, and not something that we have control over? But I think mm-hmm. that's what organizing in this way has shown all of us is that you don't have to have control over a situation in order to have power over a situation. You know, we keep hearing, you know, um, history is going to look at this time period as looking down at this period. But I think when you guys are going to be a bright spot in that history because you guys are doing some really great work. Mm-hmm. So I really do applaud you with that. Thank and you. I think that leads um, nicely into my final question, um, which is, you know, for any or all of our listeners who are listening to this and think like, OK, well, this is something that I could offer poder. How do they get a hold of you to say, like, you know, I can just throw $10,000 at you, listeners. Well, hello, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's hello. writing a check right now. How you what's doing? up? What's up? Hit what's us up, up later. How you doing? Um, we don't have like an official email. Um, and if we do, sorry, Stephanie, I think I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We'll edit that out. <laughs> I'm sure we do. But um, contact us through Facebook. We're really responsive okay. through there. Um, Bullet of Idaho, you can definitely um, contact us there. Um, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, pick your poison. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have on social media. Yes. We, we also have matching hats now. So if you just see <laughs> us, just come up, say hey. Yeah. And also we have a website. So folks can check out our website. And what is it? Poderavidaho.org. Okay. Poderavidaho.org. Um, Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, you know, and if Instagram. anybody... And Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if anybody reaches out, you know, is, is it as easy as being like, you know, well, I can volunteer, you know, one hour in Burley on mm-hmm. this week and I would love to do anything or whatever it is that you want to even just like, can I have a conversation with you about what I can offer? Can it be that informal? Yeah. Reach out to us. We'll talk to you like and get to know your community, what you want to contribute. And we will put you where... You know, we if you're, there's already a community already organizing, we'll connect you with them. If not, then let's talk about how we can start organizing in that area. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's just a lot of potential. And um, I think because like folks are probably thinking it's like, how can you not have something specific? Like we do, but we, we, we want to make sure that we want to honor your time and we want to ensure that and it's honor your strengths need. as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're not going to put you JJ phone calling, you know, right. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> but yeah, definitely reach out and we'll, we're more than happy to, to figure out where, where you best can contribute and where you feel that, you know, you're, you're giving the best of yourself and your time. We all have a very unique placement and positioning in society or just like the world in general. And it's like, that's useful because you're the only one that there's, there's something specific for you to do that will be more difficult for someone that doesn't have a placement that you do. Um, And it's just being able to like be creative and find what that looks like and how that works. It's really not as hard as I think people make it out to be sometimes. I think we have this like romanticized idea of what an organizer and activist is and like what that takes from someone. And Mm -hmm. I I think that really, if we're going to make, a systemic change it's going to take like a systemic effort that is like equal to all of those little choices that we make throughout the day that we understand like fuel our oppression we can similarly make little choices that counteract that and I, it's just being able to see them and 
I think that's one of the things that I've appreciated most about these women is that they've shown me that mm-hmm. just not only how they live their lives, but also been able to literally give me advice and to point out where I'm at and say, this is what you can do. Um, Wow, that sounds like a club I definitely want to be a part of. Yeah, we're all about self-care and love. And so um, (laughs) definitely we're moving in that direction of making sure that we're taking care of ourselves because we know how exhausting it it can be. Um, But we want to ensure that we are also moving in a direction where people feel um, safe and that they're taken care of and that, you know, they're learning also what self-care means for themselves. Yeah, and it's it's getting... It's getting more popular, you know, but I think a lot of people like to talk about it, but they don't necessarily practice it just yet. And it seems like y'all are practicing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applaud that. I'm very, very excited for what y'all are doing. Um, I know that I, I would like to get more involved. This is really, this has been really exciting. <laughs> Not at 3 a.m., JJ. <laughs> I'll give you guys her husband's phone number in case you she doesn't answer. Stop this. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a real one. Okay, well, we um we need to wrap up. It is Ruby needs to go. So I feel like we finally introduced ourselves and now we're ready to talk about the real real, yeah. but okay. <laughs> no. That was take one. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, again, a huge thank you to Ruby Mendez and Melissa Morales, who we've called Melly this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Um, thank you for the work that you do with Poder. Um, I'm really excited about this campaign. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for listening. Um, just like you can find Poder on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, they actually have a website. The Latino card does not. But we do have an email, and you can email us at uh, latinocardidaho at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, JJ and I and Ash, who is not here today, regretfully. We miss you, Ash. Yes, it's very difficult when she's not here. Um, but we are all active on Twitter, um, and you can reach out to any of us with any kinds of questions, comments, or concerns, personal problems, whatever you want to do. Um, so thank you again for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Hasta luego. Bye. I can't wait to come back for the Latino card after dark.